to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, open your Bible, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I believe there's seasons and there's dispensations that go on in our lives and also the church. And if you don't follow these dispensations and these, these injections of God's spirit, basically you fall behind in different things. And there, you know, there have been a, all along, there's been the faith movement, there's been the holiness movement, there's been this movement, that movement, joy movement, this. And all those movements were to get to a place basically where we're at right now. And if you put them all together, it equals one thing, and that is power. As we learn to walk in holiness, as we learn to walk by faith, as we learn to walk in the Spirit of God, as we learn to hear the Spirit of God's voice, as we learn to walk in revelation, it, it equals one thing, and that's the power of God being visible in the earth so that people who don't know anything about God can see that He's real. Thank you for your excitement and overwhelming enthusiasm this morning. I'm trying to hold back because you're drawing it so strongly out of me this morning. But I'm going to do my best, praise God, just to, to, to hold it back for you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Oh. Look at verse 20. Yes, there should be a verse 20. <laughs> now you got me looking. <laughs> I, thought maybe, I thought maybe I was in the wrong book or something here. <laughs> we, let's just do praise and worship again. And giggle. <laughs> All right, verse 20, no problem. 1 Corinthians 4, 20, it says, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but it is in... Notice, the kingdom of God is not in word only. Many of us witness, many of us go out and talk. But notice, the kingdom of God is also in something else. It's called what? Power. power. Now, power, we, we've thought of it as something we've got to get, something maybe the pastor has, maybe a certain evangelist has, and everything else. But this is what it means about coming in right standing with God. Everybody thinks about sin when we talk about right standing with God. I've got to quit sinning. No, you've got to quit thinking stupid. It don't have that much to do with sinning. It's got to do with the way you think, basically. And we need to think like God. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. But guess what? He gave us the word of God so we can think like him, understand like him, and act like him. And how many of you know God has a little bit of power from what I read in the book? Yeah, he's got power. So we've got to come into a place where the power of God in our lives is a natural thing, not a supernatural thing, not for so-and-so or so-and-so or this guy on TV or that pastor or that person. No, it's for each and every person who's under the kingdom of God. It is a byproduct of the kingdom that came along with your citizenship when you came in. Peace belongs to you. Joy belongs to you. Healing belongs to you. I don't know how many times I've got to say this before somebody gets it. All these things belong to you. And just because something comes counterwise that tells you you don't have these things doesn't mean you don't have them. You're just being ripped off. You know, the Bible says a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And really, it's not talking about the devil. It's just talking about any thief. Your own thoughts could be a thief. The people you run around with could be thieves. The, the news media. Capital thief with a T. 
Yeah. All these things are to convince you that you don't have any kind of jurisdiction over your area, any kind of right in what's going on, any kind of thing. But you do, praise God, because you're a kingdom citizen. Say, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. Say, I'm a son of God. So God basically talks here about, he wanted to tell people that the kingdom is not just about word, but it's also about power. Power, that word is dunamis, which is another word for dynamite. In other words, demonstrations of power. Go to Mark chapter 9. Got to either quickly dissolve this mend or get rid of it, one or the other. I'm not having a seizure. I'm just trying to get rid of this mend. All right, Mark chapter 9. Look at verse 1. It says, Verily, Jesus says, Verily, I say unto you that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God come with what? Power. Now, this tells us two important things. First of all, it tells us that the kingdom of God is here now. Say, it's here now. Yes. It's not something you enter into when you go to heaven. You enter into heaven when you go into heaven, not the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. You're already in there. But notice number two, when the kingdom comes, it will have something with it. And what it will have with it is power. How many of you came this morning and brought a Bible or your cell phone or whatever you use with you? It came with you. When you came, it came. Are you following me? And when the kingdom came, the power of God also came and was made available to people. So the kingdom of God is here right now. You're a citizen of the kingdom when? Right now. And you have power when? Right now. Good. Hallelujah. Go to Isaiah chapter 10. Okay, Isaiah chapter 10, look at verse 27. Here comes a prophecy. It says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the what? Now notice, this is Old Testament, so this is a prophecy for the future. In other words, there is a day coming, Isaiah says, when the power of God, the anointing of God, will be available in the earth realm. It'll be a certain day that it enters in, and when it does in that day, the power will be stronger than any bondage, any anointing, any problem, any disease, any sickness. Basically, it will destroy anything that comes close to it. So notice the power of the anointing will come. It will destroy yokes and burdens. Every yoke and every burden, it could be physical, it could be mental, you could even have spiritual issues. But the anointing is strong enough to take care of each and every one of these things in your life. Now the problem with the Old Testament, and if you spend a lot of time in the Old Testament, it basically does nothing but prophesy about future events that are coming in the New Testament. Do you agree with that? But the church has had the problem of staying in the Old Testament, which is basically a gospel of hope, rather than the New Testament, which is a gospel of faith. Are you following me? Old Testament, a Savior's coming. The power and anointing's coming. In that day, hallelujah, deliverance is coming. Glory, glory. Then we get in the New Testament, and people get born again, and we tell them, guess what? Power's coming, hallelujah. Uh, glory's coming, hallelujah. The kingdom's coming, hallelujah. But that's Old Testament. New Testament is the day has already come, and healing is here now. 
Power is here now. Peace is here now. Joy is here now. But the church continually keeps it in a hope realm where it's out in front of you and someday it's going to happen. And the only way you're going to believe it is to have a manifestation or a feeling or something happen in your life for you to believe it. So you don't have to see things to believe it. You believe things, then you see things. So the church is still in a seeing mode. Well, when I see myself get healed, I'll believe I'm healed. Well, you'd be waiting a long time because it doesn't work that time. You believe it, then it happens. You believe you're healed, then you get healed. You believe you're on fire, then you're on fire. You believe all these things. But the believing becomes first because we're not in the Old Testament anymore. Notice the kingdom has come. The power has come. Deliverance has come. Well, I'm just waiting for God to deliver me. Keep waiting. Keep waiting, and maybe the New Testament will start all over again, and it'll start with you got healed on such and such a day. But that's not it. We're not in Old Testament. We're not looking. We are in the fulfillment of the prophecy. I'm so glad I'm not in the Old Testament. I don't want to live there. I don't want to be part of that. I don't want to be. Any, I want to be in the New Testament. Praise God. Where by His stripes I am healed. Hallelujah. Where that joy's in my heart. Praise God. Where the power of God rests on the inside of me. Where the Spirit of God's not over here, not out there, but right in here lives on the inside of me. We sing, "I got a river." We don't sing, "We're gonna get a river someday." Praise God. Because that's not going to do you any good. You cannot activate what you don't believe you have now. So you can't activate faith, you can't activate power, you can't activate your peace, you can't activate your joy because you're waiting for it and a feeling of it in the future and you're never going to get there because it's already here. Are you following me? So praise God. Now we're in the New Testament. All these things have come. So the kingdom of God has come and it has come with what? Power. So power is already here, isn't it? Yeah. Praise God. Okay, Luke chapter 3. We'll be here talking about the kingdom again this week. We're finally back. My gosh, I don't know how I'm going to get three teachings in one week, but we're going to have to go really fast probably Wednesday, praise God, because we, we had the hurricane shut us down. We had the revival shut us down. We had the, and this is my last week, so sorry. <laughs> Glory to God. All right, Luke chapter 3. Look at verse 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized and praying the heavens was opened. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in thee I am well what? Please. Now, this is the story of Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. The Holy Ghost came. The power came. This anointing came. So basically, we could say that this was that day. Say that day. What day? The day the anointing was going to be made available. It was going to destroy yokes, going to restore, destroy burdens, going to destroy sickness, going to destroy disease, going to destroy mental problems, going to take care of all this thing. Now, all right, just, just look at verse 23. And Jesus himself began to be how old? 30. 30 years of age. So that tells me that Jesus probably lived 29 years before this. Is that too deep? And this was the 30th year. Now notice, if Jesus in that 29 years healed no one, delivered no one, do you think God just said, well, let's take a break? I don't really care about people. No, no. If he needed the anointing in the Holy Spirit to do what he did, how much more, how much more do we need to believe in the Spirit of God that we have to do what we're called to do because you can't do it without the Spirit. If Jesus couldn't do it without the Spirit, you certainly ain't going to be able to do it without the Spirit. So this is the day the Spirit of God came upon him. Now, who was baptized in water here? Who was it? Jesus. Very good. Who did the Holy Ghost come upon? Jesus. Now, notice, up to this point, I'm afraid to say this a little bit, 
Up to this point, Jesus was Jesus. After this point, Jesus was Jesus Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's not his middle name. It's not a sub-given name. Christ means the anointed one. Up until this point, Jesus was Jesus. But now all at once it changed when the Holy Ghost came upon him, he became Jesus the anointed one, Jesus the powerful one, Jesus the Holy Ghost man. And all at once he started to be calling Jesus Christ. Christ simply means Christos, which means power of God, which means available. So Jesus became Jesus Christ because he now had the power of God in his life. He became anointed. Say anointed. anointed. Now, if you look up the word anointed, it means to rub and smear all over with something. How many of you ever got sick as a little kid and your mom took out that blue jar? (laughs) Took a big slab of that stuff for some unknown reason and just attacked you with it and just rubbed, I mean, that stuff stunk. and (sighs) Well, that day you were anointed with Vicks Vapor Rub. (laughs) You were rubbed and smeared all over with Vicks. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Look at verse 17. Go to chapter 4. Just flip. You like that smell? Dear Lord. All right, chapter 4, look at verse 17. And there was delivered unto Jesus the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now Isaiah is the one that said it in that day. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance of the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the ministers and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears, and all bear witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth, and they said, Is this not Joseph's son? Well, how many know that was a good question? And the answer would be, Yes, he was Joseph's son. Now, why did they do that? Because they knew him as a man, but now since the Spirit of God came on him, he turned into a different kind of man than he was before. So they didn't recognize him. Yes, he was. But notice, God changed his sonship when he said, This is my beloved son, and I am well pleased. So not only was Joseph's son, but now he's the son of the living God. What happened? He's anointed. He has the anointing of God on him. And watch what the first thing he says, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now that'll get you kicked out of 80% of Holy Ghost Church. For you dare to get up behind this pulpit and say, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has called me to heal the sick, to deliver the people. Pride. You're just being prideful. You don't know if God anointed you or not. You don't know if you have the anointing or not. God has all the power. You don't have anything. You're just a man. Sit down. You're just a man. How many know that you didn't make them very happy when he said that either? He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon them. And he said, this, notice in verse 21, he began to say, He began to say, say, he began to say, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Now notice, nobody really got upset until he brought the prophecy into the now. If he'd have said, tomorrow, the spirit of God's going to come. Or come 2023, God's going to release his spirit. But when he said, this day, right now, this is the day 
that the anointing has arrived, that the power of God has come, that all this has taken place. You know what they did? They tried to throw him off a cliff. Now why? Because religious spirits and people who think in the natural have trouble believing in the now. Jesus talked about the religious Pharisees, and he said, you know what you do? You shut up the kingdom of heaven. You don't even go in. Why? Because you make it off in the future, and because you do that, you don't even go in, and nobody else can go in. So there's people out there, for years I thought the kingdom of God was when I died and went to heaven. So I'm not seeking a kingdom until I die. If it's in heaven, why should I seek it now when I'm on earth and it's in heaven? So that's what I'm told. So I'm just going along in life, waiting for the kingdom of God in heaven. When I get to heaven, hallelujah, peace, joy, power, all this stuff. And there I am. And then I'm being taught and reinforced. Well, don't worry now, brother. We go through hardships here. Oh, my God. Just suffer for Jesus through them. And you'll have a better seat when you get up in the kingdom of heaven. Praise God. I didn't know what seat I was going to have. Maybe cushioned and the other one wasn't. I mean, I didn't really know what the difference was. But no, that wasn't the deal. Praise God. I, I didn't know it. But now I know that, praise God, there's a power here. And it came on this day. It's already there. So notice, religion will get mad at you for claiming what God has already provided for you. I can remember the first time I preached on my oneness with God. My Lord, I thought I was going to be killed. Because we've placed Jesus way up on this pedestal, and we put up down here. In order, to be, in order to be humble, you basically have to go to God as a victim and him as the rescuer and that whole way. And the more of a victim you become, the greater your lack of pride is because everybody just weeps with you and mourns with you. But Jesus never told us to come to him. Remember the prodigal son? How many of you have sought another kingdom for a while in a pig pen and ended up there? Amen. Well, you came back and he didn't say, you rotten, stinky pig, sit over here to the side and serve me. No, he said, my God, here they come. Got the fatted calf out, praise God. Got the ring out. He's all excited. So he, if he looks at us that way, why shouldn't I look at myself that way that he looks at me? See, what are we doing? We're cutting ourselves off from the anointing and power that we have. Never can do enough to serve him. Never can do enough for him. Always fail on him. That's demonic. It's a demonic life. That's a thought life. It's got to be erased out of there, praise God. He went to the cross as he is. So are we in this world, praise God. That's what he went to the cross for. I love the cross. Oh, the cross. Oh, the cross. Are you healed? No. Righteous? I should say not. Holy? I'm going to be in another 20 years. We're denying everything the cross provided, yet we're singing the cross, the cross, the cross. The cross provided for me righteousness. That's who I am. If I'm anointed, you bet I'm anointed, praise God. They're anointing God all over my life, praise God. And for whatever needs done, it's there. Do you understand? I don't have to beg for it. I don't have to plead for it. I just got to depend and I have it on the inside of me. And I simply got to come to a place where Jesus was, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why was it upon him? Because that day he got the anointing. He got rubbed and smeared and basically full of the power of God. And now he was telling. And notice, he knew what it was for. What was it for? Well, let me tell you what it was for. It was to preach the gospel to the poor. It was to heal the broken heart. It was to deliver the captives and set at liberty them that are bruised. He knew exactly what it was for. A lot of people going around, I'm anointed, are you? Yeah. Uh, God, the Bible says I'm anointed. It does. Oh, what do you do with that anointing? I don't know, but I am anointed. I'm really anointed. What are you going to do with that anointing? I just want everybody to know I've got it. Well, good for you. That's good. But, but what, what are you going to do with it? See? And Jesus knew. He said, I'm going to start healing people. I'm going to start casting out. I'm going to start setting people free. I'm going to, because of the anointing that's now upon my life. All right, go to Acts chapter 10.
So Isaiah comes, says the anointing's coming in that day. In that day, we're going to be burdens broken, sickness destroyed, fear taken care of, all these things, because in that day there's going to be an anointing, there's going to be a rubbing and a smearing come in that day. So now since we're talking about an anointing upon Jesus, we have to find out what he was rubbed and smeared with to understand what he got the day he got baptized. All right, Acts chapter 10, look at verse 38. How God anointed Jesus when, at the baptism, of Nazareth with uh, what? Now notice, not Vicks Vapor Rub. He wasn't anointed with that. Here it tells you what he was anointed with. He was anointed with uh, and the Holy Ghost and power. He was rubbed and smeared with the Holy Ghost and power. So immediately he went around healing the sick, casting out devils, delivering people, doing everything that needed to do. Now notice what he didn't do once he got anointed. The Bible doesn't say when Jesus got anointed, he prayed and asked God to heal the sick. It doesn't say he waited for revival and a move of God. It doesn't say he interceded for a breakthrough in his own ministry. It says he went about to destroy yokes and burdens. Why? Because the anointing was given to destroy yokes and burdens. Instead of destroying yokes and burdens, we're living with And then the church even has a problem of understanding what is God and what is the devil. So we don't know what to destroy because we don't know if it's God doing it or the devil doing it. Well, God will just take you through a wall. He'll just take you through and drag you through the mud and all kind of stuff just to make you stronger and do all this stuff. So how am I going to use my anointing and power to stand against something that I believe God's trying to benefit me from? Come on now. We're all screwed up. No wonder the church is messed up. So I got a storm coming at me. Do I speak to it or do I let it come? Is it from God or from the devil? You better read the book and find out which is which. Because you want to use your anointing to stop things that aren't of God. See, let, let me just help you. God's not in the yoke business. He's not in the burden business. He's in the destroying of the yokes and the burden business. That's what he does by the anointing of God that's on his life. So these things that are coming, and do things come against our life? Yeah. How many of you never want to go through a problem again? Die. That's it. You're in this earth. They're going to come. Jesus said, hey, there's going to be storms coming, and they're going to come, and they're going to come against the good, the bad, the, the Christian, the non-Christian, everybody else. But he says, if you've got a firm foundation, if you've got a foundation, you're going to be all right. But if you're built on sand, what's sand? Well, is that God or the devil? I wonder if that's God put sickness on me to teach me something to make me stronger. If that's of the devil, I don't really know which one's it from, so I'm going to rebuke it and receive it and see what happens. Well, nothing's going to happen. Do you see? You've got to have a clear cut to know which is which is which. When worry comes into your life, it's of the devil. When fear comes into your life, it's of the devil. Sickness tries to attack you, it's of the devil. You start to lose your joy, it's of the devil. Now, he may use people. I mean, you know, he's got a lot of people here. And probably just the right ones for you. Hand-picked. Yeah, but notice we've got a foundation. We're going to walk in victory. We're going to do it. We can do that. So you have to separate what's God and what's the devil in order to use the anointing that's on the inside of you. And what are the most of the church doing? Most of the church is praying real hard and doing anything to try to get the anointing. But they don't know they have the anointing. But if you know you have it, there's no sense trying to get it because you already have it. Go to 1 John chapter 2.
All right, 1 John chapter 2, look at verse 20. It says, but you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. That word unction there is the word anointing. You have an anointing. Look at verse 27. But the anointing, which you will get someday, after going to TCVC for 40 years, you get... No. But the anointing which you have received of him abides where? Praise God. Not even with you, but in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you all things in his truth, and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. So you have an anointing. Say, I have an anointing. Have now, I've got to mention the second part of that, just to clear up religion. It doesn't mean you don't need to go to church and listen to a man. Right. See what it says? And you need no man. That, uh, no, you need no airhead. Somebody don't even know the Bible and got their own opinions. You don't need that kind of teaching, praise God. Sometimes you need to turn off Christian TV. See? Hallelujah. Glory to God. I probably just killed your favorite pastor on TV. I'm sorry. Praise God. But no, the anointing abides on the inside of me. I am able by that anointing to detect who's teaching me the truth and who's not teaching me the truth because the anointing is the truth on the inside of me. But if you get off in the feeling realm and somebody tells you what you want to hear, you'll feel it and you'll be jumping up and down. I've heard already, but, and God's going to slay you in this. Because ah, 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 of feelings. See, they get all feelied up and that doesn't do you any good. Feelings don't help you unless they come from the Spirit. See, they come from the Spirit on the inside of you. When you're touched on here in your river in the Holy Ghost, you'll have feelings. Hallelujah. But that's not what we're doing. We're believing the Word of God, and the Word of God says here, you have an anointing. Say, I have an anointing. I have Say, I have an unction. unction. All right, now, since I have an anointing and I have an unction, what's my main purpose? I have to learn how to function in the unction. Amen. So you've already got it, but how many of you know you grow in it, you learn in it, you start to understand it, you know how to use it, and, and what it does a lot of times, it'll start taking words out of your mouth and making you more of a listener. I know this is going to be hard. I can feel it. I can feel it. it's going to be tough. You've got to be more of a listener than you do a talker all the time. You see? Because if you talk all the time, you only learn what you already know because you're talking about it. But if you're checking out someone else, you want to listen to what they have to say. And sometimes you'll even block them out after a little while, and they'll be talking, but it'll be... Ever did that? Because the Holy Ghost is telling you how to solve their problem on the inside. You're listening to him. But they're still going, my husband, and that bad husband. Mama, I'd be a lot better. My husband. You pick up about every fifth word or whatever. But you're really on the inside of the unction. is starting to function. And you're figuring out what's going on. And after their 45-minute recap of everything their spouse has done wrong over the last year and a half, I'd like to say 39 years, but it only takes a year and a half usually. To do that, you just simply say, just love him as Christ loved the church. And how many know that don't go over big at all? Because they're looking for as long as answer as, you, as they gave you question. See? But you don't do that in the unction. You don't waste time. You don't waste your words. You don't waste it. You don't, you're not there to sympathize with them. You're, not there, you're there to help them get through what they're already through. And you do that with the anointing of God that's on the inside of you. So praise God. Say, I have, I have. An, unction. an unction. I'm going to use... The unction, so I learned how to function in the unction. Okay, go to John chapter 2.
When you start to function in the unction and deal with other people's problems, you're going to really be surprised how much he actually knows. How much God knows. You're going to be surprised. You'll say, my God, that was a good God. That was a good answer. You're doing pretty good, you know. Things are going good. Because you know it didn't come from you. You didn't even know what to do. But on the inside of that still small voice says, just hit it here. Just hit it there. When you go to pray for people for healing, you might want to listen a little bit first. Find out where they're at. See where they're at. I mean, there's a lot of times in the ministry I was called to a hospital when somebody was sick in there and their family happened to be there. And I was about ready to pray for somebody. And Jesus said, remove everybody in here into the hallway, then pray for them. Now, let me tell you what. They're not real happy about that. I don't know if they thought I was going to molest the person. Come on, you want in there by themselves. They're thinking naturally. Are you following me? But the thing is, I've got to get you out of here because they've already prophesied death for three days over him, and I don't really need that right now so that my anointing can push out your unbelief and help this person who's in here. How I many know it's biblical? Jesus threw people out. person was dead said, get out. And they all laughed at him. And what happened? The little girl got right up. Praise God. I bet they weren't laughing after that. Nobody had to remove. Now, I'm figuring in my, my mind, if Jesus had to remove out unbelief in order for it to happen, then sometimes I'm, I might have to move out unbelief. Do you see? So praise God, that's what happens. All right, did we go to John chapter 2? Oh, she's so sad today. What'd you do to her, Chrissy? <laughs> Such a cute little thing, ain't she? Oh, my gosh. I'm telling you, you just want to hug her bones for some reason. She's dancing this morning. Did you see her over here? You know, the baby dance. <laughs> All right, John chapter 2. Look at verse 23. Now, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles that he did. Now, here many people believed in him. When did they believe in him? When they saw the miracles. Not when he preached, but when they saw the miracles that he did, the demonstration of power. Look at John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Now here's a religious man, one of the higher uppies in the religious order, and basically he saw something in Jesus, not what he preached, not even how he acted, but he saw the miracles that he did and knew he was coming short of something in his life because he was doing miracles and this guy had no idea about miracles whatsoever. And this is what, this is, I'm telling you, the power of God is the best advertisement we have. It's the best we have. We haven't been using it, but it's the best that we have. Posters aren't the best we have. Uh, cliches aren't the best we have. But basically, it's the power of God in our life that advertises for other people. In churches today, instead, we do bake sales. Instead of that, we do, we do Bozo the Clowns coming in on this Sunday. We do all these things to attract people. But it's the power of God that attracts people to your life, that attracts them to the church where the power is preached and the power comes from. Are you listening to me? That's why each and every one of you, you've got to start moving in the power of God. You've got to start releasing the power of God. You've got to start seeing people get healed, get delivered. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here to do. You say you can't do that. You can't, but the anointing that you have rubbed and smeared all over you can do it. 
And notice, rubbed and smeared all over you. You, you know, you put that Vicks vapor rub on. How many you know if you hug somebody, they smelled like Vicks vapor rub and had it stuck to their chest? So every time you hug somebody, you've got a holy anointing on the inside of you. Benny Lash used to just throw his coat and praise God, people fell down. Why? Because what's on him got off on something and touched somebody else around him, praise God. We always thought this was a bunch of junk. It's not a bunch of junk. I got if you come out of the swimming pool and you grab a towel and wipe off and throw it at somebody, how many know they're going to get wet? Same way with the anointing of God. But we don't see the anointing of God as being like a natural thing. But it is not natural, but it reacts as a natural thing. Are you following me? People touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Why? Because apparently what was on him got out of him and into his clothes, and there it was, and, and the power of God was there. See, you don't realize it, but you're walking revival, and you don't even know it. You're going to the next revival to find revival when you're it. Yeah, I know it's rattling around in there right now. And there's some stuff with them. Yeah, but it's the truth. And it's an easy truth because it is the truth. And it didn't come to you because of what you did. It came to you because you entered the kingdom of God and it came as a byproduct benefit of you entering the kingdom of God. It's no more uh, less benefit than Social Security. You get Social Security, praise God, it comes. They owe that to you. You don't have to do anything for it. You don't have to call Biden every day and beg for it. No, it's supposed to come through the mail. It's supposed to come to you. But when you don't get it, I'll tell you what, you're going to be the first one on that phone call in every Social Security office in the entire United States to get it. But the devil steals from us, and we just say, that's the way it is. We just don't have any power. God might be putting a sickness on me to make me stronger. I know it's, it's worked for me. And that's not the truth. See, we, we want to make excuses rather than believe what the Word of God says. And the Word of God said here basically, Holy Ghost and power. So Nicodemus, he had a little lesson there, didn't he? And notice what happened when Jesus started out. He immediately went around preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. Go to Matthew chapter 4. There's an explosion coming of the power of God for them who want it. It's not something you're going to operate in if you don't want it or don't care about it or don't care about other people. Because the anointing you have in you is there, and, and it's good, and it helps you, and it teaches you, and it shows you. But the anointing upon you is not for you. My anointing to preach is not for me. It's for you. See? I'm a gift, not a hireling. How much is he getting paid? None of your business. How does that sound? And let me just tell you, it's not enough. Come on. For what God gives you, praise God, it's not enough. Do you understand? Wherever you're working, it's not, you're not getting paid enough. Because you're more important to that place than they realize. All they can do is see how many screws you can put on the nut, for God's sakes. What's that got to do with the people you're changing around you? What's that got to do with the blessing coming upon that business just because you're there? They don't see all that stuff. Nobody cares about, oh, this business has been doing pretty good. Yeah, I'm here. Amen. I would expect that probably happening. Yep. Yep. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yeah, because you have an anointing. Say, I have an anointing. All right, Matthew chapter 4. Look at verse 17. Jesus comes on the scene. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is where? At hand. It is here. He said, Repent. Now, he's talking about changing your thoughts and your mindset. That's what righteousness is more than anything else. It's not just quit sinning. You should get over that quit sinning stuff very quickly if you're really seeking God. If you don't become number one in your life, then you're always going to have something messing you up. But as long as God's first, sin, sin's not going to bother you that much anymore. But, but God wants us to think like he thinks. You never saw Jesus walk up to somebody who was a leper and say, Okay, you want me to cure your leprosy? Stand way over there. 
because I heard it's very contagious. So I'm going to speak to you from a distance. No, he wasn't even thinking about catching it. He was thinking about setting the guy free and it having no legal right in his body whatsoever. So even though the natural realm tells you how bad it's going to be, it does not supersede the spiritual realm as long as you're thinking and walking in the spiritual realm. Are you following me? We, we just had a bout of that, didn't we? And there's going to be more bouts of that. I got a bad feeling. There's going to be something else that comes along. And where are you going to be when it comes? I mean, are you going to hide in the cellar? Be afraid? See, we've got to find out who we are and what we're doing, and we, we just got to go with it. So notice he says here, basically, repent. Say repent. repent. Look at verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness, disease, and all manner among the people. And his fame went throughout Syria, and his fame went throughout Syria. What is it, fame? How did he get so famous? Because he went about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness, disease, among the people. And his fame went throughout Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those that were possessed with devils, and those that were lunatic. How I many you know that might be a mental problem? And those that had the palsy, that might be a physical problem. And what did he do? He healed them. Why? Because he had the anointing of God upon his life. He'd been rubbed and smeared with power. He knew he'd been rubbed and smeared with power, and he was going along to set other people free. As long as you stay in the attitude of judging yourself all the time, you're going to stay in an attitude of self-changing rather than helping someone else. And you come out of self, am I doing good? Am I doing bad? Does God love me? Don't God love me? Get over that, for God's sakes. Trust me, he loves you. He went to the cross for you. So once you get by that and find out you're put here for other people rather than you, you know, she talked about Kenny Shipley. You know, that, that's not an easy thing to do, drive all the way down to Stewart, sniff somebody's car, figure out what it is, drive all the way back, then drive all the way back to Stewart again just to fix somebody's car. I mean, you know, that takes time. And now I'm getting quiet in here, ain't it? Yep. Yeah, because it is. Because there's little things that we know we should do every now and then, but we don't do them. You know why? Because they're going to take up our time and they're going to interrupt our schedule. All right, I'm getting in trouble. I'm going to go someplace else. Go to Matthew chapter 11. I don't want to meddle totally in your life, just part of it this morning. Yeah, Jesus is always about other people. You never saw him do anything for himself, never ask anything for himself, never anything. He was just here for what for? To extend the kingdom of God. When you run into people, how many of you run into people? You know, it's almost impossible not to run into people. That would be a miracle. That would be a sign. That would be a wonder if you ran into no people whatsoever. <laughs> All right, Matthew chapter 11. Look at verse 2. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto them, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now this is the same Bap John the Baptist who said, There is the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. The kingdom of God is coming, and he that comes after me is going to come with the power of the Holy Ghost and the fire of God on the inside of him. And he's just going along having a good time, then he got put in prison. I mean, no prison will change the way you think. Sickness will change the way you think. Fear will start to change the way you think. Worry will start to change the way you think. So what does he say? He says, is this the one? Is this, is this him? Or should we look for another? Verse 4, Jesus answered and said to them, well, just go show John again these things which you do hear and see. First of all, I have a diploma on my office wall that tells me that I graduated from seminary. I have a big church of over 3,000 people. I'm on TV two hours a day every day. 
No, he said, go tell them that the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. So, so what tells me somebody's operating the kingdom? Well, people are getting healed, people are getting delivered, people are getting helped, people are getting set free, people are good. It's not how big you are, it's not clothes you wear, it's not what you do, it's basically these are the signs. And every time I preach this, somebody comes up and says, that's not true, you don't have to have signs, wonders, and miracles because they'll know we are Christians by our love. Well, that's true, but if I love somebody and have the power to heal them and walk by them, I don't call that love. If I really love somebody and I run into a devil and then I just say, have a good time, you know, go see Tosh, praise God, maybe she can do something to you. No, set them free, praise God. You've got enough crazies. Doesn't need any help. No referrals. No. No referrals, no nothing. She's already there, praise God. Yeah, so this is what the kingdom of God is all about. He said, these are the proofs of the kingdom of God. Now, here's a key, a key to the power. How many want to operate in the power? How many want to see it touch people's life, change people's life, heal people, everything else? Your motivation has to be love. Not how great thou art. Not look what I did. I prayed for Susie and she got healed. Susie, don't you want to give a, give a testimony? Make sure you mention my name when you do because I'm the one who laid hands on you. And I want everybody, I'll tell you a way, good way not to get promoted in the kingdom of God. Do it yourself. If anything, de-promote yourself and promote somebody else. And that's where the promotion comes in your life. You don't have to be known by everybody or anything. God will take care of it. God will deal with it. And it's amazing that it always says, it's always, look at verse 5. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised from the dead, and the poor have what? Now, the only one he really says preach the good news to is the poor. Why is that? Because if you're dealing in poverty or dealing in lack, you don't need a miracle. You need knowledge. That's good, ain't it? You'll get healed. You'll get delivered. You'll get set free. But when it comes to being poor... The problem is you're doing something wrong if you're in the kingdom of God. You're mismanaging. You're doing something. So you need the good news preached to you in the kingdom of God of how to handle your finances because if you're faithful with little, he'll give you much. So don't pray for a million dollars, praise God, because you're only going to get what you can handle. And if you can't handle the $100 a week, don't pray for a $200 a week job. Learn how to, the $100, and you'll get promoted every single time. Are you following me? Glory to God. All right. Go to Matthew chapter 9. We're not really in a hurry this morning because you get got turkey at home anyway, let's face it. Who wants to, who wants to go home to that? Fine God. See, so it's enough of that for a while. Praise God. All right, Matthew chapter 9, look at verse 35. And once again, Jesus went about. Notice he didn't complain about, he didn't grumble about, he didn't moan about. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news about the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Say moved with love. Say moved with love. Had compassion on them because they fainted, were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And basically then he said to the disciples, the harvest is truly plenteous, the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. How many know that's us? That's what we're doing. And if you're here and you've got a loved one in Connecticut and you want them reached, then you pray for God to send a laborer from Connecticut to get to that person. If you have loved ones who don't listen to you at all, then find, God will find somebody that they actually can compare to and listen to and something can change in their life. And notice he went about, say went about. 
All right, go to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to show you the problem for the church in the last 2,000 years. Amazing, ain't I? My gosh. Wasn't even back 2,000 years ago, and I know what the problem is. You have an anointing this morning. You have an endowment of God. God gave it to you for a reason, because you're here to extend the kingdom of God. We're supposed to make earth just like heaven. There is no sickness in heaven. There is no worry in heaven. There is no fear in heaven. There is no lack in heaven. There's nothing in heaven. And the only way you're going to do that is with some power, some supernatural power that's above your natural thinking. You're going to have to get out of your head and into your spirit and get some revelation of this stuff, or fear will bind you whenever you try to operate in it. Glory to God. All right, Acts chapter 1. Look at verse 8. Jesus says, last words, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses of that power under the both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and under the other parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud, received him out of their sight, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Why, men of Galilee, do you stand here gazing up into heaven? My God, that's good, isn't it? God told me one time, you know what the church is doing? Why are they standing here gazing up into heaven when I've given them everything they need down here and they're looking for heaven to do something for them when everything that they need they have down here but they're also every church is standing there gazing up into heaven waiting for God to do something waiting for God to have a move waiting God for heal somebody waiting for God to cast the devil out when the whole time they're gazing up into heaven and they've already got everything they need right down here at this time and when I start to think like that I start to think in righteousness right alignment See, now I'm in right alignment. We talk about the big man upstairs. The big man sent his spirit downstairs. And he's living on the inside of you. So a righteous thinker, what is a righteous thinker? He's not looking up to heaven and trying to get God to do something. He's operating the anointing that God already gave him, which is the power of God. And he's operating that anointing, and he's setting people free by the power of God that was given to you. That's righteousness. Say righteousness. righteousness. All right, one more. Let me prove it to you. Go to Romans chapter 10. Oh, Lord, come down and help me. Help me, Lord. Come up, Lord, and help me. Come sideways and help me. Come in from any way. Just help me, Lord. Help me, help me, help me. All right, Romans chapter 10. Look at verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Say speaks. speaks. Notice, those in righteous alignment with God speak. Okay, well, what do they say? Well, they say not in their heart. Who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from the dead? Or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead? In other words, we don't say, oh God, help us, oh God, help us, oh God, help us. Jesus, get raised from the dead, oh God, help us, somebody help us. But what do we say? Verse 8, but what does the righteousness of God, how does it think? How does it speak, someone in line with the word of God and the righteousness of God? The word is near me, even in my mouth and in my heart, that is the word of faith which we 
preach. So this tells you once God gives you the anointing, you have everything you need in this earth to do what you want to do. You don't need anything. You've got everything that you need was already given to you when you came into the kingdom of heaven. So don't look up here and don't look up down there. Put the word of God in your heart and in your mouth. And when you speak that word, you release the anointing of God that's on the inside of you. And it starts to save, heal, and deliver. This sign shall follow them that believe. In that day they shall heal the sick, cast out devils. If they drink anything deadly, shall speak in new tongues. And the Lord went with them, confirming the word. What did they do? They just said, hey, we got the power to heal. So we're on the people, hey, we can heal you. Boom. Boom. Oh, devil, come out. Why? Because they believed they had the power to do it. And they had the word of God on and they believed the word of God. Your job is, first of all, just to believe that you have an anointing. I'm glad that you believe that I have one because that helps me minister to you. Are you, are you following me? It, it, that's good. But you've got to believe that you have one, that you have an anointing. You have an anointing to set people free. You have an anointing to teach. You've got it. Someone you just ought to put maybe in your notes on your phone. Use it for something good. Put, I have an anointing. And then set your alarm for every half hour. Oh, I have an anointing. Click. Another half hour. Oh, God, I have an anointing. I almost forgot when I flipped that guy off who just cut me off. I want to go back and... Oh, thank God. I just screamed at my whole family at Thanksgiving dinner. I wanted that drumstick, bless God, and I thought I was going to get it, and somebody took No, you got it. So what you, you're reminding yourself. You want me to tell you what I did when I first started this? But it doesn't work anymore because nobody does it. I wear a watch. I turned it upside down. I check my watch a lot of time during the day, and when I check it and can't read it, I got an anointing today. I got the power today. See, it was a complete reminder every time I looked at my watch, but you don't even wear them. I'll tell you where to put a little note. Oh, my God, this would be good. On your phone. That'd be better than every, every time. Because you look at your phone a lot more than you look at my watch, probably. So every time you look at your phone, you have a little clip. I'm anointed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because you pick it up how often? See? See, if, if we left home without our cell phone, we'd go crazy, panic, and do anything to get it. But we're leaving home without the anointing. And not caring one little bit. Just a thought. Just a thought this morning. Hallelujah. All right. Hallelujah. I'm going to leave you go. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the anointing that's on the inside of me. And I thank you. Praise God. I release that anointing in the hearts of everybody here this morning. Stir up what's on the inside of them. The fire of the Spirit of God and the Holy Ghost. Let that still small voice that they hear on the inside become louder and louder and louder. Every time they obey it, Lord, make it a little bit louder. We thank you that during this season we are going to live in the Spirit. We're going to walk in the Spirit. And we are going to stay in the Spirit, no matter how busy and how whatever happens in our lives. Father, I thank you for the Spirit of God, the best friend each and every one of us has. He's the most important person in this world, and we thank you for bringing the realization to each and every person of Treasure Coast Victory Center, and we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. Don't forget, sign up. Sign up, please, for the party back there. We want to get as many people coming as we can. Bring your relatives, friends, whoever you want to bring, and there's sheets there in the back to do that. Praise God. Hallelujah. Have a great week. the key.